All right. Well, welcome back to yet another episode of Baseball Acumen. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian. And I'm Katie. And yeah, we're back for another pretty fun episode, Katie. I have to say, I'm pretty excited about this topic. Oh, and yeah. I think we've found a little rhythm in the types of things that our episodes are discussing. We've managed to just shine a light in the dark corners of baseball that maybe people yeah. don't think about or don't know about. And this is another one of those episodes. It's kind of a little bit more anecdotal instead of statistics driven, but there's just so much little fun things along the way that oh yeah, I just know our listening audience is going to like this one. So Absolutely. Yeah, so it's been fun. I think we're on to something here and, and we're finding some great content that people are enjoying. So yeah. here we are, 2020 season just finished, right? And we crowned a World Series champion. It we was the did. Dodgers, right? Yeah. So congrats to them. They did it. They won the shortened season. And of course, we could have a whole side discussion as to whether winning a 60-game season plus an altered playoff format was legitimate. And yeah. of course, the answer <laughs> is it's only legitimate if it would have been the Cubs who had won. But Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. For the Dodgers, they'll always have an asterisk. Yeah, but totally. for the Cubs, Full asterisk, no. yep. But the deal with World Series champions is you always focus on the stars, right? It's the big names that win the games for you. And sometimes there are new stars that we discover along the way, like the last guy on the bench. Yeah. And even though the Dodgers won, what a great ending to game four, by the way. Oh, yeah. Where you have the guy That's come off classic. the bench and like almost never used and gets the hit and there's all the errors and the throws oh, that go yeah. wild and stuff. And honestly, we should probably do an episode just about that one play. It would just be really fun <laughs> yeah. to do a deep dive on that. Maybe that's a future oh, topic yeah. for us. But <laughs> this year, one name you got to give it to, Clayton Kershaw. Glad he got his oh, ring. Yeah. Really, mm -hmm. really deserved. Certainly falls into kind of the uh, almost the Phil Mickelson golf model of best <laughs> player to never have won a major, right? Right. Which I guess yeah. Phil has won some now, but that was for a long time. That was his thing. Yeah. And yeah. Clayton Kershaw, similarly, one of the best, most dominant pitchers in baseball and just could not get across the finish line to win that oh, yeah. championship. And finally, this year it happened for him. Yeah. So we're glad I think for it helps him. his Hall of Fame value oh, as well. Oh, for sure. So. For sure. Now that he has that, he's a shoe in Yep, yep. And of course, one of our favorite World Series, the Cubs in 2016. Again, you focus on of the big course. names. You're Chris Bryant, you're Anthony Rizzo, you're Ben Zobrist, you know, John Lester. And of course, what we talk about after the fact is that these guys won not just the World Series championship, but we say they won their World Series ring, right? Right. And so starting to think about the idea of World Series rings, that kind of got me interested in thinking about this topic of how do teams even decide who gets a World Series ring? And like yeah. the player who comes in and plays just for the first month of the season and then goes down to the minors. Do they get a World Series ring? How does that right. actually get decided? How does that work? And, and Katie, I know that you've done a little bit of research on that. And yeah. what did you figure out? Right. Yeah, because I was super curious, too. So kind of what I figured out is with World Series rings, they're 
ceremonial. So there's no written rules or anything like that. It's pretty much just up to the ownership of each team after they win. They get to decide what they want to do. And obviously the ring has been a tradition for a long time since 1922 with the Giants had the first ones. And it was never a huge deal. But then in the 2000s, it's become bigger and bigger as things have gone on. But basically the baseline is any player who appeared in a game during the season. Now, as you might be thinking, that can reach pretty far. That seems like a fairly far cutoff, but that is the basis. It's expected that any player who appeared at any point for any length of time with the team during that season when they won the World Series will get a World Series ring. Now, from then on, you kind of get to decide, right? So then it goes up to, okay, well, coaches, well, obviously the manager and some of the more obvious ones will get the same ring and everything. Third base coach, pitching coach, you would assume. They did a lot of work with the players the whole season, clearly should get a ring. Exactly. So then it moves up to ownership and executives. Right. Front office associates even stretches into ballpark staff, Hall of Fame alumni. All of these people, they had some sort of hand in winning the World Series championship, so they should be rewarded, right? So teams have kind of come up with a couple different models for this. One is the tiered ring model. So the players and then the immediate coaches, maybe the owners, will all get the most expensive top-tier ring. The Royals were a good example of this. They had a top-tier ring. It cost like $40,000. Only like 85 people got it. But then from there, they had a B-tier ring. So middle of the road. Some of the more, you know, scouts, front office staff, people like that. And then the C-tier for ballpark staff and people who are kind of at that level of influence. It's probably like the plastic Cracker Jack box version, (laughs) right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. More symbolic than anything else. It's not something they're going to pay their kids away through college by selling on (laughs) eBay. Right, yeah, no way. Yeah. The model that the 2016 Cubs actually went with they did rings and pins so the major people got rings different sizes of rings different numbers of jewels but then they decided to go all the way up to 1,908 people total got rings and pins. So obviously they spread their net very far. And you might wonder because, for example, with some of the other teams recently, the Astros had 700 people who got rings, and that was the Mm. most who had done that prior to that. But the Cubs decided to go all the way up to... 1908, which you might not have recognized it the first time I said it, but that was the time that they had won the World Series the last time. Obviously, very important number in Cubs history. So they were like, you know, if we can just hand out some more pins, get to that number, it'll just (laughs) be another great symbol. So I have a fun little side anecdote, Katie. So I actually have interacted with a professional sports championship ring. For those of you who don't know, Katie used to be one of my student employees at a college in the Chicago area, a small liberal arts college. So when my daughters were younger, every Wednesday they'd come and eat lunch with dad in the dining hall with (laughs) my wife would come to. So this one time we were having our traditional weekly family lunch in the dining hall and just a couple tables away, there's all these communication students 
audience and they're like hanging on every word of this guy who's sitting at the table with him. And we're like, what's going on there? Can't figure it out. And maybe somebody actually said, oh, that's one of the Chicago Blackhawks executives or something like that. And sure enough, it turns out that it was like the marketing guy for the Blackhawks. And he was there to talk to the communication students about marketing for a professional sports team. So they're getting up, they end their lunch, and he like walks right past our table. And he sees my young daughter, Ruby, my oldest daughter there. And we strike up a little brief conversation with him. And then he offers to my daughter, she's like maybe six or seven years old or something. He says, do you want to try on my ring? And he's actually wearing the Blackhawks championship ring. And so, yeah. So we're like, yeah. And so Ruby (laughs) puts it on. And we've got this great picture of her standing in the dining hall wearing a Blackhawks championship ring on her finger, which is just enormous against her little (laughs) hand, right? But it kind of just proves the point of what you just said is they really do typically spread these rings out to a lot of sort of front office staff and the whole bit. So it's really not just the players. Now, while we were brainstorming topics here and talking about World Series rings, you mentioned a minute ago the criteria is any player who appeared in a game during a season. And it just got my wheels turning. And I thought, you know, there have to be players out there that have done almost nothing for a team and got a World Series ring out of the deal at the end of it, right? So probably weren't on the roster for more than a handful of games during the season or whatever. And just like us schlubs were watching the World Series on their couch (laughs) when the team actually won the championship. But then at some point, what happens? Do they just get a box in the mail that has their (laughs) ring? It's amazing to think about this idea of who might have done the least and still gotten a World Series ring to where they can say, hey, I'm a World Series champion. So Katie, I know you kind of dug into this and found some pretty fun anecdotes about that. So what do you got? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I had the thought of 2020 would be interesting with the most recent Dodgers championship. But also with such a shortened season, there's no way there's random guys getting rings. But actually, there was one fun one that came to mind, and that is Terrence Gore. So he has made himself a professional pinch runner. Very niche. (laughs) Very niche market. (laughs) But he did that. He was on the Royals postseason run in 2015 when they won. So he did that for them. He was a pinch runner. He was on the playoff roster. He actually did the same thing for the Cubs, was on their playoff roster in 2017, just again as a pinch runner, hadn't played for them during the regular season in the majors. And then he did a similar thing for the Dodgers in 2020, but because there was no minor league season this year, he actually did make the opening day roster just as a bench guy. (laughs) He had two appearances during the season, once as just a defensive substitution, and then another time as a pinch runner. He made the roster for the wild card round, but then didn't advance any further on the rosters in the playoffs. So am I to take it that he literally never batted in a game this season, maybe? I, or, I or if so, so it'd you know, be I'm minimal. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We should minimal. double check that. Yeah, That'd be really yeah. fun. But anyway, he made two appearances 
and he will get a World Series ring when they have their ceremony next year. So congratulations, Terrence Gore. That guy must have one heck of an agent that gets him signed oh, yeah. on to these almost World Series championships right, he pretty right much at just the time plays they're about the postseason, to... which is the best yeah, part anyway. That's, so That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's so great. So good. Another one that's kind of become a classic is from the Giants run in 2014, Dan Ugla. He went 0 for 11 on the season. He had 11 at-bats. And during those 11 at-bats, he also committed two errors at second base. So he just had an awful start. Now, he was not an awful player. He made the all-star team three times during his career. Oh, yeah. So he was fine. He just had a really rough start that time. He just had a spectacularly bad stretch where he just wasn't barely played when he did play couldn't get a hit and when he played he was making oh, like yeah. multiple Two errors years. that's, <laughs> that's insane. that's a bad combo yeah, yeah. yeah but people afterwards were making the point of well you know he actually had kind of a major role in us winning the world series championship because if he hadn't had struggled so much because he was a player with a good reputation you know if he had been just an average hitter you know hitting 240 250 they probably would have kept him on but they had joe panic waiting to come up and because dan ugo had struggled so much they brought him in, and he ended up being one of the keys to them winning in the playoffs that season and winning the World Series. So without him struggling so much, Joe Panic wouldn't have come. Maybe they wouldn't have won the World Series. That's the major league baseball player I could be. <laughs> I could be the guy who just goes out there and plays horribly, and then they kick me off the team, and it enables some minor leaguer to come up and be the next exactly. hero of the team, it's right? Really a and I get a World act. Series ring for right, it. Yeah, right. exactly. Great reward. I'm all about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Another one of my personal favorites from my research was a massage therapist named Russell Nua has five World Series rings. Now, for some perspective, the player with the most World Series rings is Yogi Berra. He had ten during his time as a player. That is solid. That's a lot, right? Yep. So Russell Nua having five World Series rings, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, massage therapist. Yeah, yeah, right. We decided to do a little more digging into, okay, what were these five that he got? So Brian, what did you find? Yeah, so I looked into this a little bit, and it turns out that he was with the Diamondbacks and Red Sox. So he was actually the massage therapist for the Diamondbacks in 2001 when they won the World Series against the Yankees. And, you know, again, obviously at the end, you've got Mariano Rivera coming in to close the game and he just completely chokes (laughs) and the Yankees don't win another World Series. So for those of you who have listened to our episode so far, Katie and I had this mutual boss, John, Well, John's still my boss, but Katie no longer, she graduated, (laughs) so she doesn't work at the college anymore. Anyway, John is just a diehard Yankees fan and just honestly won't shut up about (laughs) it. Uh, It's pretty crazy. Anyway, this is one of his big heartbreaks, right? Was the the 2001 World Series where Mariano Rivera, like as close to a sure thing as you can get as a closer, Mm -hmm 
can't seal the deal yeah. for them. And then, of course, Russell Nua, this massage therapist, went on to be with the Red Sox for their four championships yeah. subsequent to that, including the storied 2007 season, where, of course, the Red Sox came back being down three games to none in the ALCS against John's beloved Yankees, (laughs) who again choke in spectacular (laughs) fashion. So I think the common denominator here, it really didn't have anything to do with the players on the field or anything. It was the massage therapist, Russell Nua. He was the key. He breaks the Yankees curse. So... (laughs) You know, good on him. Oh, that's yeah. that's spectacular. Oh, Five yeah. World Series rings since 2001. Like, yeah. wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> that's very impressive. Yeah. yeah. So as we were digging into this more, I thought, well, we have to look at the best championship that has ever happened in Major League Baseball, of course, the 2016 Cubs. Yeah. Is there any other? I mean, no, no. <laughs> because it is the best. It would have some of the best stories in it, right, of people who have gotten World Series rings, whether they deserve them or not. So I started looking into this. And first of all, the one fun fact that we already mentioned the 1908 number of rings and pins. That's great. But now in terms of players on there, there's quite a few that are perhaps questionable how much they actually earned that World Series ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the first ones, just kind of your standard example, is a picture by the name of Clayton Richard. So he had actually been decent for the Cubs beforehand. But during the 2016 season, he sported a 6.43 ERA in 25 outings. So he relieved. He was just struggling, not doing well. That is not the guy you want in your bullpen for a World Series. Right, yeah. So he was off the roster by July. Actually went on to do some good things with the Padres afterwards. So that was great. But he struggled during 2016. But got his ring because he technically was on the roster during that season. So good on him. Yeah, and he was on there for a decent length of time too. So that makes sense. Yeah. Now, another one, another relief pitcher by the name of Adam Warren, he also got a World Series ring because he actually came to the Cubs from the Yankees in the Starlin Castro deal that happened prior to the 2016 season. So he was with the Cubs starting in 2016. Gotcha. So he was on the roster to start the season, basically. exactly. But then he actually ended up leaving the Cubs for the Yankees in the Aroldis Chapman deal. That also sent Glaber Torres. That was the more notable player in that deal. <laughs> so he came from the Yankees in 2016 and left back to the Yankees in 2016 and ended up missing basically all of the most exciting part of the Cubs season. Yep. He was there for the front half and, and Aroldis was there for the back half. Exactly. So we had a Yankee the whole time. But, right. you know, right. I'm trying to remember now, has Aroldis won any other World Series rings, Katie? Hmm. Oh, that's right. He hasn't. That's right. Only with the Cubs. Uh Uh-huh. All uh right. Well, we'll just leave that there. That's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Warren had similar stats to Clayton Richard. He appeared in 25 games, pitched a total of 35 innings, had a 5.91 ERA. Nothing to write home about. Right. So, again, not really the best guy on your roster, but still technically gets a ring because he was there he did contribute yes now there's some other relievers with even fewer appearances neil ramirez and joel peralta are two of them only a handful of appearances three or four innings in the season but they were there 
So they get a ring. Yeah, I mean, we're getting down to relatively minimal stuff here. We're right, getting down right. to just a handful of stuff. So I got to imagine coming up here, we're getting up to a player or two who maybe has done even less than that, Katie? I would say so, yes. But actually, these last two are two of my favorite stories. So they contributed awesome. even less than some of these other guys, <laughs> but very memorable. So the first guy is a guy by the name of Brian Mattis. He had one start for the Cubs all so he's season. A pitcher. He's a yep. pitcher. That was his only appearance with the Cubs that year. He pitched a total of three innings. So he started the game, pitched a total of three innings, gave up six runs, six hits. So that meant that his season ERA for the Cubs was 18. You can do the that, math three that times is six. Pretty brutal. Pretty <laughs> brutal. But. That one game that he started happened to be one of the most epic, one of the most memorable games of 2016. I remember staying up way too late to watch this one. Basically, the Cubs were playing the Mariners. They were down 6-3, to three, you know, after... And all six runs having been given up exactly, by Mattis. Exactly, in the first three innings. <laughs> yep. They're down 6-3 going into the ninth. It's just a random game during the season. Doesn't have a whole lot of weight to it. I was like, I should probably go to bed. But I decided to stay up and watch it. They ended up rallying in the ninth. They tied it. Now 6-6. Stays tied in the 10th. Stays tied in the 11th. Now, in the 12th inning, the Cubs get a runner on base. Exciting, right? So what Joe Madden decides to do is he decides, ah, yes, this is my time to use my star hitter by the name of John Lester, (laughs) which for those of you who don't know, Lester is just objectively one of the worst hitting pitchers ever in baseball. Right. Just horrible hitter. Yeah. That's why he spent most of his career in the American League. So he never had to bat. Right. Um, And he was just terrible, terrible with the Cubs and and has been all these seasons. Oh, yeah. He also can't throw to first, but he's an incredible (laughs) pitcher. So he totally makes up for it. So Joe Madden decides that he's going to put Lester into hit. And we're going to do a safety squeeze to win this game in the 12th. It works flawlessly. John Lester, you know, (laughs) drives in the winning run. (laughs) Maybe his only RBI on the season. I don't know. But that was one of the most epic wins ever. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, but all because Brian Mattis set it up because he gave up the six hits, the six runs, and gave us a great game. And got a World Series ring out of it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So good for him. So that's a great one. Now, my other favorite is someone who you might have heard of by the name of Joe Nathan. Yep. So he actually was on the Cubs 2016 roster. He only ended up having three appearances toward the end of July for the Cubs because he was coming back from a second Tommy John surgery of his career. So near the tail end, he's coming back. He wasn't ready to retire yet. But during those three appearances, he ended up pitching two innings in total all scoreless. So he did a good job. So he did well. Yeah. He did I mean, well. it's not like he lost any games right, or anything. Right. But then because of roster moves and cuts in August, unfortunately, he had not made enough of an impact. And so he was one of the ones that had to be cut. So literally pitched six total outs six for outs. the Cubs. Six outs. Yes. <laughs> and got his World Series ring. Right. And that was his only ring of his career, correct? Right. Yeah. Even though he's maybe not one of the all time greats, but a very, very 
very accomplished oh, yeah. relief pitcher. He's eighth on the all-time list of saves, and actually, out of yeah. the people so in those, he's top, right up there. Right, he has the best save percentage. So definitely very important person in baseball. Yep, yep. But he got his first World Series ring because of those six outs with the Cubs. Because he pitched six outs with the Cubs yeah. in the middle of July. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Now, this actually has a fun connection back to our home field advantage episode. Ah. So after this episode, one of our listeners sent me a video of one of the classic examples of umpires giving in to peer pressure, what we said home field advantage comes down to. So what happened was Joe Nathan had 299 saves on his career. So he's coming into the game toward the end of the game. He's looking for save number 300. And what year is this, Katie? So this is happening in 2013. Gotcha. Joe Nathan is currently pitching for the Rangers. And this game happens early in the season. They're playing against the Rays. So he's about to do his 300th career save, which is a, a major, major milestone. milestone. Exactly. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So he has two outs in the ninth. The crowd starts going wild. There's a runner on base, too, so it's making it even more exciting. He has two strikes. He throws a pitch that anybody could have seen was miles outside of the strike zone. Nowhere (laughs) near. If you go back and watch that play, anybody could have seen that. The umpire calls it a strike. Yes. And all of a sudden, he has his 300th save. Now, Ben Zobrist (laughs) was actually the one who was batting at the time. He was Ah, playing for the Rays. Couple of 2016 Cubs right there. Exactly. He was batting for the Rays. He was just outraged. He was like, what? He was already walking to first. (laughs) Joe Nathan was confused. He was like, for real? That was a strike? (laughs) Now, the manager of the Rays was also not so happy about this. So... Joe Madden, who was managing the Rays at the time, storms onto the field (laughs) and lets the umpire have a piece of his mind. But Joe Nathan still got his 300 save because the umpire gave in to the peer pressure. Man, so many things coming together in that moment. You have our home field advantage angle. You've got the 2016 Cubs in all their previous iterations Uh coming into one play. Right, and all three of those involved in that moment got their 2016 Cubs World Series ring. Oh, so so spectacular. So So fun, so fun. Now, the last person who we have to mention if we're talking about 2016 Cubs World Series ring recipients is the infamous Steve Bartman. The Uh. Cubs actually gifted him with a full World Series ring as a peace offering for years and years of misery because of his role in snubbing them from the playoffs. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. You know, and I don't, they wound up not, really like having a public ceremony about that so i don't know how they gave him his ring it'd be interesting to know yeah i'm not sure but hopefully a healing moment for generations of cubs fans hopefully steve bartman can now hold his head high and go to the grocery store like a normal person and not be berated and all that but i'm sure he doesn't wear green sweatshirts and and blue ball caps (laughs) and headphones anymore but Anyway, so I think he perhaps had the greatest impact on the Cubs World Series win because it was just that much sweeter because he made it happen that much of the later. Angst, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Good for you, Steve Bartman. Yeah. You have a World Series ring. Pretty big accomplishment. So great. 
Well, Katie, uh, so many fun stories in there. It so was many. so great to take a look at the players who maybe have done the least to get their <laughs> yes. World Series rings. And we'll have to see what we have for future episodes of Baseball, Baseball Acumen. Acumen.